My name is Jack Oway. And I'm Jay Oway. And we welcome you back to an episode of Like Dragon, Like Selen. D&D podcast, Father, Son. Talk, talk, yeah, yeah talking, talking about the old days, the new days, and all the in-betweeny days of Dungeons & Dragons, world's greatest role-playing game. In the future, too, check out our last episode. Yeah, we're going to space. Spelljammer. Uh, came out soon, recently. Um, but, you know, we also, we also talk, um, we like talking about the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons, helping mm. you sort of get your head around a little bit of like things that maybe you take for granted or that they're kind of there and you sort of know they're important, but you know, maybe you never really did a deep dive on them. So this week we're going to do everything you ever wanted to know about armor class and more. Yeah. Um, everything you wanted to know, but we're afraid to ask. Sure, afraid to ask. Um, back in the day, it was calculated a little differently. Thacko. Thacko, first edition. Well, actually, it goes before that, actually. So, it's funny. Th- th- in some ways, we've actually come back to the f- the oldest and oldest. Right. Uh, sort of pre-1E. Um, before, I'll mention Thacko in a second, but there was a very limited range, basically like two to nine uh, in the oldest of times. Uh, and there was, and interestingly, there was also a reference chart. Um, and the reference charts kind of stayed around for a while. Um where you'd you basically cross-reference the armor class that you were trying to hit with you know the level or hit dice of the attacker or mm. you or whoever and so it was non-linear so it wasn't just like a, a simple math thing depending on what level you were and what the armor class was right things would it was a bit like how proficiency bonuses kind of go up now like they kind sure. of or spell levels or things they kind of bump up every few levels along the way um, and differently for sort of different classes and things as well. So everybody kind of had a different number to hit something. Um, and that was, that was actually not a terrible idea um, for a bit. And then we got into back in the, when I played a lot in the 80s, uh, Thaco, which stands for to hit armor class zero. Right. Which was weird because armor class suddenly had integers you had to deal with. Right. Negative numbers. Yeah. So, so a a really good armor class was zero, in theory. You tried to get your AC to to as close to zero as you could, but because magic items and stuff, you could actually get a negative armor right. class. You could have like a, a minus three or minus four armor classes, even better. Um, even so that? yeah. So here's the crazy math you had to do. So everybody would have this understanding of what their character with that particular weapon uh, needed to roll in the dice to hit armor class zero. You then, uh, so say that was like 15, or actually right. probably higher than that, probably more like 18. So I need an 18 to hit armor class zero, but the creature that I'm attacking has got an armor class of five, so I subtract that five from the 18, so I need to roll a 13 to hit. What a convoluted system. Um, and so you're just a bit like, uh, th- why am I doing all this stuff, right? Like, there's a whole lot of like mental math that we had to kind of do to figure out where you were, what you were going to hit. Of course, if the negative number was in there, 
So if you had a minus three armor class, you then had to think, well, if my Thacko was was 18, I actually have to now add those three of the negative three to my roll. So I actually need a 21, which I couldn't actually do. Because Thacko had already accounted for all of the various bonuses and modifiers you might have. Mm. Um, so in D&D, we're a little bit different now because we... We typically just roll the dice and we then add our modifier and we see if that meets or exceeds the target AC mm -hmm. number. Uh, and interestingly, I did a little check. You know, there's very little in the monster manual in terms of monsters that go above AC 20. Yeah. It's very few. Like you start getting some crazy stuff. Um, CR 27 Great Worm has got an AC of 22. Yeah. Tarask with CR 30 has got an AC of 25. It's a pretty high AC. Yeah, those are, it, well, this is just the thing about D&D, right? Other 5e is that we've got this thing called bounded accuracy now, mm. which kind of goes back to like we had in the, like I was saying, in the earliest days where you've got a tight set of numbers. Almost all the AC that you're going to see in 5e falls between 10 and 20 with 18, 19, and 20 becoming ever increasingly better and then, of course, if you got whatever higher levels, you start getting into 21, 22, it, it makes a nonlinear, gigantic jump in terms of how survivable uh, your character becomes. Um, right. Makes a, a tremendous difference. And, and also granted that, you know, at lower levels, you're likely only finding creatures that have got maybe a, between a plus four and a plus eight to hit you. So, yeah, most of the time you're not going to see, also at lower levels, players with more than about AC 18 or so. And we'll get into a little bit of reasons for, you know, why that is. But this is all really part of the de design for 5e, that we really have a, you know, it seems in some ways a very boring, small, tight system. But I think it's anything but boring. Mm. I think we have a... As as the uh, min-maxing community knows, there is a lot of thought that can go into how do I get the best AC possible. Yeah, there are a lot of ways to do it. And we'll go over some of the ways that you can implement some or all of these strategies to make your character a little bit harder to hit. Um, so at the beginning, there is no armor. You're sitting there with... Uh, and this is just it. You have no... If you are stripped naked standing in the field you still have ac 10 plus your dexterity modifier yeah and so this is one of the things that actually some of us aren't crazy about with with the way the build and all the builds work in 5e is that dexterity becomes such an important stat it it possibly is is dispro disproportionately important compared to all the other stats as it affects your both your ac your initiative um and deck you know, saves, possibly you know, your range attacks sure um and, and deck weapons. saves which are one of the more common uh saves you have to make yeah. so it's you know it is a biggie in mm. terms and uh, hiding of, too all stealthing is, is dexterity as well yeah uh those things all all can give you pretty big boosts to your dexterity so or big big boosts to your ac so yeah, dex modifier plays a big, big role in armor class. Yeah, it's very true. Dexterity, I think, currently in the game, if we're if we're gonna briefly touch on the, sort of the balance of stats, this is something I've I've worked on in my own games, is that dexterity suddenly becomes the most appealing option for anyone making 
melee or ranged attack builds. Anyone using crossbows, longbows, ranged weapons should use it. And if you're using melee weapons, use a finesse weapon. You know, use a, yeah. a, a dagger or a scimitar or a rapier. Rapier is the best one because it's a D8 finesse weapon, yeah. which is the best. Um, and I, I did a, uh, I played in a campaign where I had a barbarian build. Now, barbarians have got very special unarmored defense where you get to add your constitution modifier yeah. on top of your dexterity modifier onto your base 10. So you get this extra lift. So I basically did a build where I just pushed dex and constitution up and every ASI I got, I dumped more points into those. Mm. And, uh, and she ended up having like an AC of 20. I think she had a shield as well, so it helped. Um, possibly a magical shield might have been 21 by choose time she had the magical shield ac of 21 with using basically just a shield no other armor on her um and so yeah, you can have and a very well armored character in this game as well even without armor yeah um another way another classic way to do it that comes to mind immediately is the monk class yeah that gets their ac scaling with um, dexterity and wisdom I think the, the interesting difference if you're thinking well what is better barbarian or monk which both get unarmored defense of mm. their own kind um, one argument is that the monk is entirely already dependent on dexterity with its martial arts um, and it's you know all, yeah, well, everything is designed around dexterity yeah. and wisdom right whereas the barbarian encourages you to go more strength right it does you do more and if you build a dex weapons. dexterity barbarian trust me the entire time you suffer like every time they're like yeah, sure. ooh, there's a strength check you get a bonus to and i'm like my strength's eight Woo! Well, it's hey makes up for your weakness. Exactly. Right? I mean, but I picked. I got AC instead. So it's and I think they do that deliberately in the design of a barbarian mm. to make you sort of try and choose. Yeah. The, well, the one other thing from barbarian that possibly one would argue makes it much more worth it than monk is their ability to still use shields. Yeah. Monks do not benefit from using shields. They cannot benefit from using shields, whereas barbarians can, um, which is a handy thing. Although you may choose to, you know double hand your greatsword if you're going the full strength build sure and then it becomes less of a priority where again or even longbow and, and going something something you've got a hand crossbow and you're doing anything range wise does yeah. also require both your hands and it is um, a, oh and it is such a pain in this game to switch between having a shield and a rapier up mm -hmm. and then into using a, a longbow yeah um there's a number of, of missed uh, rounds of stuff if you're trying to deal with that or dropped weapons or all sorts of things and and that's fine. I think you just got to, if you're going to do that sort of build, you need to know when I go into combat, I'm going to choose one or the other. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in a party that had other barbarians and other tanks uh, who could be out in front sometimes. But then as they got worn down, we could swap places a bit. They could come back. I could move up to the front. And I think that's just, you know, every party's going to be a little bit different that way. Uh, and if you've got a party with a, with a wizard or something in it, uh, they're unlikely to have armor on. Um, it's true, and they have in their own sort of way of, of bumping that up. There's a couple different things that casters can do for their AC. Um, the most obvious one is mage armor. You That's bet. That's the one sorcerers get, wizards get, warlocks get, all the big casters, uh, maybe except cleric Which and druid. essentially is the equivalent of a chain shirt, AC 13. Plus dexterity. Plus dexterity, but better than a chain shirt because in some ways, because a chain shirt has a maximum and this is true with all medium armor maximum dexterity modifier of plus two it's true um we'll get into armor a little bit. not that a in, lot of wizards a dump a, put a lot into dexterity sure. but well the thing is is that you also need medium and probably also light 
armor proficiency if you want to even begin to touch chain oh, shirts. Yeah. And if you don't have that, then your casting is limited. So well, it you, makes yeah, much more so sense to cast mage armor. It's true. So yeah, here's a, maybe a little something to mention as well if you were unaware. If you don't have proficiency with armor, you can still put it on and still gain the AC benefits of that armor. Mm-hmm. However, there's a lot of things that are going to really suck for you. Your attacks are going to be a disadvantage. Your saves are at disadvantage. Your ability checks disadvantage. You can't cast spells. Um, are you encumbered? Yeah. If it's <laughs> if it's uh, heavy armor, you probably are. Well, there's some uh, armor that have some, a, a strength. Yeah, requirement they have a strength requirement as well, which I'm not sure exactly. So there's there is some crazy penalties uh, to putting on armor that You're you are proficient. either not strong enough or have proficiency to carry, um, and and yeah. Uh, but that's it. I, I wanted to just encourage the idea of saying, hey, there is ways to be clever, of, like in an emergency situation that, you know, just because you don't have proficiency doesn't mean you can't do something in 5e. It just means things not may not work out super well. But if only thing you're trying to do is keep somebody really squishy from being hit, then that's maybe that's great maybe all they have to do at that point is just take the dodge action every turn which by the way is also a fantastic way to if you know you're trying not to get hit it's effectively about a 20 percent bump equivalent to about a plus four on uh uh on your ac mm. by taking the dodge action yeah i thought it was plus five because yeah um, let's be conservative i mean it could be it 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 Plus or minus five. Yeah, there is there are some interesting sites out there that break down the math in terms of you know how likely or unlikely you are to uh, hit or be hit with uh, things with advantage or disadvantage, and uh, mm-hmm. it's about twenty to twenty five percent shift with advantage or disadvantage. So dodge can be quite useful. Yeah, it can be useful, um, and it, it's it's also can be restricted sometimes if you don't have proficiencies i believe maybe i'm i'm speaking out of turn there but i believe also dodging no that's when your speed is zero i'm thinking of um you cannot dodge i know there's a restriction on that action specifically yeah not necessarily saying that you know encumbrance that makes makes sense though if you speed zero you can't dodge yeah Yeah. it's something there to keep mind of um other other spells though you could use one that immediately comes to mind is the druid's access to bark skin. Bark skin's a good one. Bark yeah. skin gives you AC sixteen regardless yeah. of anything else. That's kind of cool, right? You don't get to add any other calculations. There's no other benefits you can get. I don't believe. It just if you're lower than sixteen, and that's, that's it makes you sixteen. That's f- like wearing full chainmail. Sure, chainmail is AC sixteen. It's not bad um, for a second level spell slot. Yeah, it's great. Is that's, it a self spell or is it a touch spell? I don't, not sure, but that is. Uh, I usually see it as a self thing. I don't know if I've ever seen mage a druid touch, put it on something. It's most most people well. actually don't take well, bark skin. The trouble with putting mage armor on somebody else is that most of the rest of your party, unless there's other wizards in it, mm. um, are probably wearing armor. And if you're wearing armor, yeah. mage armor doesn't work. It's true. Um, you actually have to take the armor off, which is slow and painful. But mm. uh, but yeah, chainmail is proper heavy armor. Uh, no, you're right. Uh, sorry, barkskin is touch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chainmail. Chainmail is heavy. Has a stealth dis- disadvantage on it. All, all the um, heavy armor has stealth disadvantage. So in some ways, like barkskin is crazy good in that you don't suffer that, and you don't have to have the strength requirement for it mm. as well, which is 
nice. I, I honestly, being a little off the record here, I think Barkskin is worse than Mage Armor. Um, first thing, it's a second level spell slot. Second thing, it requires concentration and lasts one-eighth of the time of Mage Armor. Okay. Not only enough. that, you can't benefit from anything else, which Mage Armor is not a restriction on at all. This is not a calculation for your AC. It just means that your AC can't be less than 16. Um, so even things like cover or whatever, if it will go higher, it, it just goes higher. But it, it, you don't get a plus 6 to your AC. It just makes it 16 no matter what, if it would be lower than that. You still get a cover bonus. Well, if you've again, Mark's skin on. you would only you would like it would still just be sixteen. You wouldn't then go sixteen and then add the bonus for cover. For cover, no. Yeah, you would. No, you wouldn't go eighteen from that. Why not? Because it it's not about adding making your AC sixteen. It just but cover's independent. It can't be of that. less than sixteen. No, it, it it doesn't count. If your AC without bark skin would be let's say fourteen. And that, or even let's say your AC without bark skin is 15. You cast bark skin to make yourself AC 16 because um, it can't be less than that. That's what the, the spell says. And say it makes you AC 16, just says it can't be less than 16. So, okay, you're 16. Um, you then gain the benefits of half cover. Your AC now without bark skin would be 17. So, the spell doesn't really apply to you. You have AC 17. That's how it works. It just, you can go higher than AC 16, but you don't start calculating as if you're from 16 and then add stuff on top of that that's the way bark skin is worded however with a mage armor it changes the way your ac is calculated wow it makes it 10 or sorry 13 plus your dex modifier wow so so bark skin just puts a a basement like uh yeah. on your your ac cannot go below 16 yeah physically can't go below but, but you, that's not where you start if you're, but if you're calculating it it doesn't actually give you that you have to calculate your ac and this is actually true about a number of things in fifth edition and i, I can see this why they've done this if if in fifth edition you ever have more than one way to calculate your ac you can only choose to do one of them it's you can't true. you can't stack them yeah, in any it's way very true and so I guess they're saying bark skin is your one choice that you can pick on this. It's not even a way to calculate and your AC, though. It's just... It's, yeah. Well, say unarmored defense is that way for the barbarian as well. The barbarian can then say, I'm going to ignore my unarmored defense and put on plate mail. Like, that's okay to do. Um, well, you say the monk would do this? Or barbarian? No, the barbarian. Yeah, the monk would not want to put any, no, the monk any armor of any kind. But the barbarians, barbarians, barbarians could put armor on if they want to. It's very true. Um, but they can't then use their unarmored defense uh constitution modifier bump mm. we have actually mentioned twice here uh about cover and just to bring that out uh for a second and say hey both the players because i don't think it gets used enough by players and i think just the dms as well when you're putting a battlefield together allow for some cover options in there for mm. both the bad guys and the good guys uh for everybody put a little bit on the table it's fun um, for those players who know how to use it, uh, it, it typically benefits the range attackers, but who are already tough. But, you know, I, I mean, that's not true. The, the rogues are typically glass cannons. If you hit them, they actually crumble pretty bad because they're typically wearing studded leather. Um, mm. Although they may have plus four. Uh, studded leather would give you uh, AC 12, I think. Am I right on that? Does leather gives 12 you plus your dex modifier. dex modifier. So typically rogues have got an AC of about 16 somewhere in there because they can't, you know, don't typically go up unless you multi-class or something. Um, and, uh, but, but half cover is plus two to your AC. Three mm. quarters cover 
which is sort of like you know heavily obscured uh if you want to sort of convert it across that's plus five yeah so if you can find some thick bushes things like that to get into plus five to your ac is is a huge lift if you're going from that takes your rogue who might be ac 16 um to ac 21 yeah it's potentially useful i mean again like setting me like things that can set up half cover or even three quarters cover it's a big thing about looking in your environment to try and find moments of cover this doesn't mean you're hiding behind necessarily but you automatically gain the benefits of it there's kind of an interesting way that you would you could calculate um gaining cover i think it's sort of based on if you can sort of touch certain corners of, of a square I, I remember there was some sort of diagram in the dmg about like putting four arrows out and then determining how many of those are blocked by something else right that's right. sort of in the way um again you sort of think about angles and could you hit all four or half of them have blocked three of them block you know whatever i i think it's an interesting way to calculate it ultimately if if you as a dm choose for something to be half cover or three quarters cover and a player be like well, i don't know if, it, if that really constitutes half cover um or even you know three quarters cover i think it should constitute more or whatever um ultimately you, you just got to make a, a call at the end of the day um especially theater of the mind you just gotta be like yeah i would say this is three quarters cover yeah. but understand what that means three quarters cover is like that one of the examples they gave is it's like an arrow slit in a wall yeah. right that you could could hit someone but that's like threading the needle almost yeah right? or i'd say like in a forest it'd be two big trees that have grown very close together that provides again about an arrow slit like gap between them that you know somebody's shooting out of or they're there's very heavily obscured within that like there's brush and leaves and forest and stuff between them and you making them very difficult to see in there sure that sort of stuff is uh is the sort of stuff that provides that three quarters cover and half covers like ducking sort of behind half your bodies behind the pillars how sure. i almost imagine or yeah maybe you're kind of crouching behind a table i would give people half cover for that right yeah i mean some things is almost worth or total if they, if they, cover right they, yeah, let players drop prone and be fully covered behind yeah, tables totally. as well by the way that's totally and i think this also applies to monsters uh so dms remember to use the cover out there for your monster's advantage too. Have your goblins all sitting in heavily obscured bush behind, you know, rocks and trees shooting out. They all get plus five. The party's going to have to like wade into the bushes and find them and, you know, engage them in melee or something because the range attacks against them in there is going to be really, really hard. Yeah. And uh, one thing uh, as well to keep in mind with covers, it also benefits dexterity saving throws. It in does. The same way. It does. And that a lot of people forget that. Mm. Yeah. Just like dodge helps with dexterity saving throws as well. Crazy. Yeah. These things are all linked together. AC and dexterity, baby. Yeah. A spell that can give you cover, half cover, which is effectively a plus two to your AC, is Fizzband's Platinum Shield. It's a six-level spell, newer from Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons, mm. uh, and available to sorcerers and wizards. I think it's, well, I guess it's six level, so of course paladins wouldn't have it. Um, but it is a, uh, I don't know how big the aura is. I think it's just a five-foot aura, so it's not huge or a creature of your choice within 60 feet so that's cool um while surrendered by the field oh no i think it's just you target one creature in that creature gains benefit. i thought it'd be an aura effect it's not uh, it gives them half cover resistance to one damage type i'm oh, sorry no five damage types um and it also gains an evasion 
like feature and it's a bonus action you can move it over to other people um which is very good yeah it's you know it's not committal it is a one minute to duration but it's a bonus action that's a person suddenly that's, in that's danger combat, you really, so. shift it over give someone yeah. half cover give them resistance to five damage types give them evasion every turn someone else is in danger bonus action swap it over to them yeah it's a excellent spell if you're going to use it on yourself, if you're going to give it to a tank, if you're going to give it to a squishy, um, I think it's, it's, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a, a, useful. Yeah, a more interesting version of the old uh, shield spell, which, hey, there's nothing wrong with that as well. Shield's a standby reaction spell that many, many spellcasters have. Um, you can even put it on your arcane oh, yeah. trickster, which is great if you're you know, a rogue and you're a bit squishy. Um, that plus five, it gives plus five to your AC um, mm. for the rest of that round, which is enough to keep you from getting hit by a lot of things because uh, at plus five moving your ac from 16 to 21 dramatically changes uh, how much you're going to get hit and reducing the number of times you get hit per round also increases your survivability enormously it's uh, they are not linearly linked uh, you actually the more times that your ac saves you the greater the percentage of surviving mm. happens so it's one other notable first level spell of the sort of three the trilogy of of shields if you will shield mage armor shield and then yes shield of faith which is the third option yeah. uh, unlike the other two it does require your concentration lasting 10 minutes the nice thing though is that it's a bonus action to cast rather than your action to put up a mage armor although mm. i would recommend on an adventuring day as you're a wizard or a sorcerer or whoever who has mage armor get it up first thing on someone uh, that you're going to do it lasts for eight hours it's going to last the whole dungeon crawl you don't need to worry about oh, what's the 10 minute duration one hour duration nope it lasts eight hours and if you're marching for longer times and you're a sorcerer it's not the worst idea to take extended spell for a, a whopping 16 hour long mage armor uh, no one is going to bat an eye at you having mage armor active all of the time yeah. every waking hour of the day you can have mage armor on um, shield of faith on the other hand only lasts 10 minutes uh, it has a range of 60 feet, better than the touch and the self of shield. So this is much more about helping potentially even other people, which is very in the nature of clerics and paladins. Uh, and for 10 minutes, provided you keep concentration, a shimmering field appears and surrounds a creature of your choice, granting it a plus two bonus to AC, as if it were benefiting from a shield. Uh, this is very useful because it doesn't take up a hand or require proficiency like other shields might do. And it can stack with anyone who is also benefiting from a shield. So now we return to our barbarian with, let's say, in the best case scenario, their plus five constitution, plus five dexterity. They've got 20 AC, holding a shield for 22, and now you put shield of faith on them. They've got a whopping 24 AC, um, which is definitely rivaling what? the Tarrasque, yeah uh, it's getting up there yeah that's and that's and that's, the beginning. And that's like i said with the bounded accuracy anytime you're pushing like a referring to yeah right there's a like the limited range within uh most like right. probability for rolling to hit something so right? yeah so so certain in levels. that thing i was talking about the thaco thing kind of stuck around in theory in second edition third fourth edition but when Wizards of the Coast took it and kind of changed it. They even actually came out and explained the fundamental design philosophy, um, bounded accuracy, and the underlying math that's used to do it. And that's actually really a huge um, change to this edition, probably one of the better ones. And it was, it was really based around the idea of attack roll hit probability and trying to keep things from getting, as they had done in previous editions where they just get so wildly out of whack in places um 
so yeah, uh, it basically just keeps the, the the short version of it is it just keeps the amount of crazy uh, from getting too out of control. So for example, like we see it with the uh, with the magic armor that's available in the game, mm. right? You've got plus one, plus two, or plus three. Plus three is the top tier. That's it, and plus three is very rare. And so we no longer, yeah, yeah. So it depends, but I mean, this is it. Like this, we don't, we no longer hand out plus five armor. Mm. Um, And even the idea of, well, okay, I'll get the armor, and then I'll put on some braces defense. Oh no, braces defense only work if I'm not wearing armor. Okay, so there was like they're smart about like where. Well, there's ring of protection. Sure, but then there's only offer plus one. But then and and then there's only three attunement slots. Exactly. And typically, things that give you AC boosts require attunement. I and a ring of protection, if it does. And shields with, like, yeah, extra plus armor. things often do. But a lot of magical armor doesn't necessarily. That's what I mean. Um, but the, on top of your magical armor, I'm saying, like, it's hard to keep adding and adding and adding. Um, you will find that it's probably, it's probably hard to get more than about plus, you know, five or six with very top end magical item uh additions to your ac uh which again we just went through a couple scenarios where an extra plus five or six could take you well into the 20s someplace but that's it you're not you're not likely to be able to no matter how much you min max this to get a build that's gonna get like beyond 25 maybe or something like Mm. the upward end of it which is almost ridiculous even to say 25 out loud i'm like wow that would be if a player said to me i've got an ac of 25 i'd be like i'd really want to see how they build that character it's pretty fascinating how did you get it that high like it just doesn't happen it just it, this isn't a game where 5e does not just let you scale ac uh infinitely it just yeah well there are many tricks you can do to get a very high ac yeah even if it's only for a very very short period of time. yeah well like we said even talking in one round adding right? adding cover is one of the most amazingly easy yeah. ways to do it there are some things you can do to give yourself a plus five ac just like that i mean three quarters cover is not the easiest thing to get but half cover is not the hardest thing no um things that create lightly obscured when, again which... if you want to give every, your entire party heavily obscured drop a fog cloud yeah well yeah and that has an interesting it doesn't necessarily produce cover, though. Why not? It's heavily obscured. Be, it's true, but there's a difference between heavily obscured and three-quarters cover in the how solid the thing between you, the, the obscuring factor is, right? Fog doesn't actually, if you shoot an arrow into it, stop an arrow. makes you harder to hit. You have disadvantage. You can hide in it. There's a bunch of things you can do that makes it harder to hit you still, which is effectively the same thing. But... Um, but there's a very loosey-goosey set of rules when it comes to what is cover and what is obscuring. They are not directly linked in the rule book. Um, they're loosely associated, but yeah, it, and it's very much up to the DM oh, right. um, to sort of play that how they want to play it. That's also the reason why illusions aren't counted as cover. Yeah, um, but they can still they can obscure you and provide disadvantage. True. for the person attacking you which like we said is still like probably getting a plus four plus five um which is great yeah because uh, like i said that's you know that puts you in the in the realm of rare armor for a split second um it's interesting mm-hmm. though you know i've got i'm looking at at uh you know there's something else on the back of the dm's screen you know that sits between 
you know, you and your players all the time. And we often stop looking at the numbers on it. So, you know, they only come up once in a while, but it lists the armor class for various objects. And I was just glancing at it and I was like, you know, it lists glass, ice and crystals as having an AC of 13. That's the same AC as a chain shirt. Right. Who has AC 13? She's a common. Glass. Glass. Breaking glass is an AC 13 to hit. Like. Right. And I'm like, that just seems, that doesn't seem right. That seems, that seems like, you know, okay, sure. I can get some ice could be really hard, but I mean, how could D and D glass have AC of 13? Mm. Huh. You could make glass armor. <laughs> right. So, no, I don't want my chain shirt. I'm That's having glass, my glass shirt. Well, you don't get to add. It's made of little glass that. beads. I think it's a bad idea. Glass beads all strung together. Maybe I, I feel like. And I still get my dex dex modifying. Right. Hey, I know. I'm I'm thinking that's a bad idea too. It sounds terrible. Um, but apparently, you know, yeah, they had somebody had to make a rule up someplace. Like cutting rope is an AC eleven, um, which is funny thinking cutting rope would be that hard. But um, well, you think about like glasses just like real life objects and things they have damage vulnerabilities and whatever right sure like you're probably going to be able to smash in a glass with a war hammer more than well, you're going to be able to cut carve it open with in, a dagger, in right? rp sense in my game if somebody like swung their war hammer at gla a glass window the glass window would break yeah i'm not, I'm not making you gonna roll all right make an attack roll oh the barbarian's big ass war hammer just bounced <laughs> off that it's like it's some sort of safety glass that you find in like modern 21st century office building mm -hmm. or something no <laughs> you're like yeah. the stained glass window in a in a fantasy medieval church it's going right through it like, of course anyways the it's important, I think, to remember as well that this is D&D &D and that AC and all these numbers that we're doing here, it's just part of the game. They had to they have to have a mechanic and it will be imperfect, right? It's, um, it's hard to make sense of how in some situations an unarmored, you know, barbarian wearing a dress and a sh holding a shield has way better AC than the, the paladin next to her. But it happens. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of feats as well. Well, one more spell. Warding Bond just gives a plus one. Just thought oh, it was yeah. worth a, worth a That's quick a good point. name drop. Defensive Duelist gives you... Oh, some races as well. We'll get into some races that give you mm. AC calculations. Defensive Duelist, I think, is an interesting one because it can be used alongside other scaling things. Yeah. Um, it requires a dexterity 13 or higher, and provided you are wielding a finesse weapon, which you're proficient with, and then another creature hits you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to add your proficiency bonus to your AC potentially causing the attack to miss you. which is which is lovely uh and especially if you if you're gonna do two arm two hand fighting mm -hmm. um and you might have taken the fighting style as well two weapon two and fighting which gives you a plus one to no, your ac doesn't, doesn't it? it that's dual wielder you're thinking dual wielder ah uh, okay so if you have dual wielder and this then there's a few little things like that if you have got two weapons in your hands you can kind of get a little bit extra like it sort of tries to reflect the idea that the, one of the weapons you could be using it to sort of help parry or block things that are coming in on you, which mm. is, yeah, I've got my own parry system in my own game um, where it's based on the weapons damage die, mm. which I think is an interesting system. But then I've got this whole other durability thing. That's another day. Um, uh, prerequisite Dragonborn, they usually on their own didn't get an AC calculation, which I thought was dumb. They had to get a feat if they even wanted to get their own special <laughs> dragon scale calculation. 
Um, you get either a plus one to your strength con or charisma. So if you're barbarian, maybe consider also constitution for your AC bonus. Uh, actually, wait, no, you can't do that because you can't benefit from two different scaling types. Nope. So choose something else. While you aren't wearing armor, your AC is equal to 13 plus your dex modifier, and you can still benefit from shield. This is essentially giving you a free mage armor at all times, mm. which is never bad. Um, also yeah. gives you natural weapons. That's another. That's not really relevant, though. So one of my favorite, um, like, if, if I had to only play one class of character for the rest of my life i'd actually play a multi-class character that's a fighter rogue fighter rogue is my favorite is go-to um you take the fighter to gain some of you know weapon and armor proficiencies and you know little boosts like second wind and maybe action surge if you take enough levels in it um and then all the roguey sort of stuff so it also lets you then try to end up with a bit better ac because you can take more stuff i like the idea i've always loved the idea for that sort of build for medium armor master and i know medium armor master doesn't get a lot of love from a lot of people but the idea that you could have a character with half plate half plate is 15 plus your dex modifier usually only max two but you take medium armor master and you suddenly get i think 18 yeah you get well you get all is it plus three or is it plus four maximum with medium armor master plus three plus three so so yeah you get an extra plus one from your decks but it also cancels out the stealth disadvantage it's true and so you can still keep your stealthy rogue and they can be walking around in half plate which is pretty pretty cool it is cool um also if you start off with fighter you could still get your shield proficiency rapier in the other hand go defensive duelist and suddenly now You've yeah, got yeah. all sorts of things going on. Is your proficiency bonus scales? You've got your, you know, AC eighteen. Again, I would argue what is better, AC seventeen with studded leather, and maxed out dexterity, or AC eighteen taking the ma- medium armor fast, medium armor master feet. I don't know, but it's it's a it's a plus one, I guess. And if you're willing to invest a feet in being a master of medium armor. I don't see why you wouldn't want to do this. It's it's all about instead, it's all about a look. Sure, I would recommend if you wanted to use medium or even heavy armor and not suffer that disadvantage on stealth, be a stealthy heavy armor user. Uh, go the armorer, artificer route, um, which there's also a way to get a free plus one bonus to your AC, free magical armor is if you go the artificer and take the enhanced defense. Uh, even if you have an artificer in the party, you can ask them, pretty pretty please. Yeah. Can you give me plus one AC? And they might say yes, or they'll say no. Or Forge Domain Cleric is another way you can do that pretty quickly. Um, you can do that to yourself as well. But, you know, that makes an interesting point. Like, you know, studded leather is a, is is the rogue's favoritist thing, which, by the way, never really existed. Like, I think some, mm. the story goes that Gygax or somebody in the early edition saw a picture yeah. that had <clears throat> the riveted together leather and thought, oh, those were extra studs that were added to it for extra protection. No. But I've got in my game leather and then Gambeson as the next tier up. Gambeson is another name for kind of a bit of a leathery, bit more of a, you know, in our in our world, a bit more of a sturdy uh, wow. option to leather. You do in research. So but, I mean that said, I mean there is a lot of armors that people in Five E never take. True. Uh, whoever Who splint. Am I right? Okay. Well, this is yes. Yeah, yeah. So splint's one that I mean it's an AC seventeen. It's it's up there, but. And it's a step up, one up from chain mail, but mm-hmm. does it show up? It, or ring mail, which is worse. I mean, ring mail is a step down from chain mail. 
many characters, if they start with heavy armor, often maybe start with chainmail. Yes, they'll just get chainmail right away. But where does ringmail come from? Who gets ringmail? What is the point of ring, ringmail existing? And why is it such a huge... Why is it 14 instead of... Like, why is it the same as a breastplate? Like, I don't get why you'd end up with a ring. Ringmail's like a punishment armor for people. It's like, you've been you've been bad. We gave you ringmail. Um, I don't know. And, and padded armor, way at the bottom. Padded armor is like... It not only is it light armor and only gives you like eleven plus dex modifier. It's noisy. It's like I know. it's like squishy snow pants. And it gives <laughs> you stealth disadvantage. What I wanted to do was build an armorer artificer that used padded armor as their big power suit, and they were just like had a big bale of hay or whatever. But they were super stealthy about it, you know. And it's like it made no rustling. They didn't <laughs> want it to. I don't know. I thought it was a cute idea. Yeah, I love. I. I Anytime padded armor sort of shows up, it almost shows up as a joke. Mm. Like it's, um, I still think it's a great idea. I want to play a padded armor armorer one day. Um, I think it'd be cute. A couple other things, uh, you can do, um, heavy armor master doesn't increase your AC, but gives you a very unique ability to reduce damage you take. If you're going that full, um, full armor idea. Um, also I believe, Hmm. Does I don't think Shield Master gives you something, but it, it does give you, you know, more stuff you can do with your shield, like an a, an evasion. If you are a bit of a heavy, you know, shield user, heavy armor, not great with the deck saves. Maybe you didn't invest in it. You just wanted to go full strength, and so as a result, you're investing in chainmail or in yeah, plate. Yeah. You know, if if you can get your hands on that, super expensive. I don't know how you do that. Of course, late game, anyone can get whatever they want. Um, you can use your shield to take no damage if you fail deck saves so suddenly that dragon's fire breath doesn't seem so bad um yeah a couple yeah. options there in terms of feats uh are there other races that get inherent things off the top of our top of your head i'm thinking i remember lizard folk got that if i'm if i'm correct uh dragonborn we talked about the feet you can take to do it uh there is looking through here i don't believe not Leonin, no Sater. Uh, lineages don't get it. Cocorigen Odyssey, nope, 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 nope. Very rare thing. It is. Um, and this is actually oh, why, this is actually why, and again, we start looking into this. I mean, at first it seems like we're like, oh, look, you can get this bonus, you can get that bonus to your AC. You won't find that many different ways to push your AC up. And if you do, they usually won't work in conjunction or things together like that. It is... It, by very design of 5e difficult to get your ac up hence why a, a you know shifting from chain mail to splint that plus one ac might you know that might be worth the upgrade because there's not a lot of other ways your character might find uh, a lift to their armor class mm. so yeah uh oh i got a couple oh you gotta find some yeah uh lizard folk gives you a AC of, with a natural armor, AC 13 plus dexterity modifier with the benefit mm. of shield if you want to. That's pretty um, good. That's, again, like having a chain shirt. Or like having mage armor. Mage armor. Better than chain shirt because you can scale dexterity as much as you want. That's true. Um, Tortal gets a very interesting one um, yeah. where on their own, I don't believe they get... Oh, no, 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 never mind. It does give you a very unique thing. Uh, it changes your AC scaling altogether. It makes you unable to use any armor, but a base AC of 17. Yeah, that's splint. 
basically like you're wearing splint at all time. Which but is without the heavy and the stealth disadvantage. Uh, and you can also use shields. I mean, the strength requirement. True. You know, splint's strength requirement is 15. Yeah. I mean, Oof. heavy armors. Course, 13, 13 for a lot of them, but yeah, splint, splint and plate, plate both. go up. Yeah, it's because yeah. it's the top end. Um, shell defense, you can withdraw into your shells in action, giving you that plus four to AC. Of course, it means you have the inability to do pretty much anything else. Um, because while in your shell, you're prone, speed is zero, no dex saves, no reactions. And the only thing you can do is a bonus action to come out of your shell. Um, and so, but that does give you, if you want to do nothing and go nowhere, uh, it gives you plus four AC. So that's something. Yeah, question of whether the dodge action wouldn't be almost equivalent. Yeah. And keep you It in does the also game. give you advantage on strengths and con saves, though. So there's something interesting. Yeah. But with dodge, you can move and still take the the just give you know grant disadvantage to people attacking you. So, mm. um, yeah. Uh, again, these things when you look closely at them, the the difference between those two things is probably not so much. Um, mm. And and yeah, by design, AC is kept every time within a very sort of tight little range. They're little bounded accuracy things. So, yeah. Warforge, which many people love, also gain. A bit of integrated protection, which gives them a free plus one to AC. Um, also, they can meld armor with themselves, um, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, and then I believe the Luxodon also gain a, a natural armor of 12 plus constitution, um, which is very unique. I think especially for casters or even sorcerers, perhaps. Mm. I know they don't get a bonus to their charisma, um, but hear me out. 12 plus your constitution modifier as a sorcerer you want to invest in constitution maybe if you're not even willing to go with the dexterity route for your ac you can instead now just build off of 12 plus con modifier maybe even more useful for you than your your dexterity and just go full invest in, in constitution charisma forget about dexterity who cares about initiative or dex saves <laughs> who cares about initiative it's okay to go last exactly um so here's a bit of an interesting question so we've sort of covered you know this is this is ac um the mm. if you were to do something that in and i think you may have in your game that changed the nature of armor so that different different uh damage types did different things to armor is that something that you've you've looked at i tried that once and it became extremely crunchy um, one thing that can, so if you want to do it, what I'd recommend is that you clearly outline, you know, which dam which armor types work well against other things. It starts to make things like your ring mail a little bit more useful or unique. Well, that's what I was thinking. Ones, right? Like if you had, if heavy armor prevented, you know, or, or reduced slashing damage or something. Well, the, the issue um, is, is that people will be like all sorts of, well, technically this one armor type wouldn't have done it. And it's, it's very true. Um, and some people really do care about that, and it's not invalid. Um, it's just that some people are also not entirely, you know, they don't necessarily know the history, and so it's okay if it's not exactly right for the purposes of our game. If you'd want to make it as simple as, you know, light armor is bludgeoning, medium armor is slashing, and high armor is piercing, heavy armor is piercing, do whatever you want that makes your game run smoothly, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's it, what I recommend over it does, it does sort of, it's interesting that there's three different armor types and three different damage types like that, that you could sort of do something with that, um, that just mixed it up a little Not bit. Not even resistance, but it's just a little bit less damage. Like you yeah. reduce it by, you know, even could be 
two or three yeah. or he better the we didn't better mention heavy heavy weapon you know? he sorry heavy armor master sure heavy well, armor I did, mention that, did you yeah. uh and it reduces damage by three which mm. is uh again maybe something to build off of idea wise um and we almost need if heavy armor just always did that even without the feet to be honest it might make heavy armor even a bit more worth it heavy armor in my mind there's such a the stealth disadvantage on it um not to mention other sort of various mobility problems that come with it does seem to be like an outsized sort of amount of disadvantage like there's no saying okay well or even as you went up in ac ring mails you know stealth disadvantage or it wasn't even full disadvantage but like minus one to stealth and then chain would be minus two and splint minus three and plate minus four something like that you know what i mean like there's no scale to it it's all just immediately you know you're gonna have this 20 to 25 percent drop in your stealth ability not that you're sneaking up that often and i can understand why you but it, it, it can affect the whole party it's i don't know it does it does seem to me that heavy armor doesn't have doesn't get that much love really in the game like it, it, it almost seems better to have light armor and great dexterity hmm. yeah I, I i can see both sides of it um i think it's interesting that it, it's connected to one of the core stats and it makes dexterity like automatically no one dumps just like constitution um you can't choose to make it terrible unless that's sort of an intentional character choice right a caster, even a, a paladin or a fighter, may choose to ditch strength. And they're not really punished for it, except, of course, in those rare moments where you need to make your athletics check or your strength saving throw. And those are, again, far and few and far between, as far as I'm concerned, in, in comparison with dexterity and constitution. I'd ra much rather have more hit points than maybe, you know, if I'm worrying about encumbrance, have my speed be a little bit lower or then i just have less stuff right yeah. or just be a little bit more minimalist or maybe i get a minus one to my athletics check but it's better than you know missing out on my six free hit points i get from being level six and having that plus one to my con or even that plus one to ac and that again a little bit more chance five percent more chance that this attack misses me um which i is very valuable in a lot of circumstances at some point, you get to a high enough AC where creatures are just unable to hit you, which I think is very funny, except unless they get a lucky crit. Um, I've had that happen a couple of times. Um, the more insidious side is if, if a player gets a spell save DC high enough to where a creature physically can't succeed. Um, I've had that happen once before um, with a spell called Psychic Scream, or yeah. I think it's, it's something like that. Um, one of them it makes a person permanently stunned if they can't succeed on their saving throw. Oh, my God which I think is quite funny, um, as much as it perhaps in the mind of some would be broken. Um, all this being said is that D&D is designed around a, a, a range of numbers that typically don't go beyond 30. At the, at the, it, it's, its upper limits would maybe push 30. Of course, there are examples where we push these rules and everything we're given to their extreme to where we make something that breaks this, this bounded accuracy. Of course, if you've yeah. At any point are familiar with rogues um, or anything that sort of gets expertise and reliable talent. Um, in, in Critical Role, for example, you'll see that both rogues start pushing 40s on stealth checks by the end of campaign, uh, which is just absolutely bonkers. Yeah, um, and that's a in, – in, yeah, you're making a great point there of like how carefully bounded accuracy is designed in the armor class area 
there is other stats that go way out of control. Yeah, sure. and, it's, and it's because there, I think there's a lot of priority placed in making sure combat is balanced over ability checks. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I guess there's less stuff that affects athletics because even that has an, a role in combat, right? Like the ability to guaranteed grapple someone is maybe a bit too much for some DMs or for some players. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting discussion. Uh, one, I, I think there's an often criticism of that the dice dictates too much in 5e and that back in the day, you know, modifiers had more significance and that you'd actually succeed in the things that you're good at and not just hope that you get lucky like everyone else. I think that there's some fairness to that, but there's also, you know, it, it's it's not really being fully truthful in the fact that there are ways where you can change your game to make you know modifiers more of a thing you can give people better modifiers i mean that's just the that's the immediate change there there was one ridiculous thing and i'm not if you play the game this way i think it's very funny um where instead of rolling d20s they rolled something like like two three d6 you know plus one minus two divided by one d2 plus one or something i don't know it's some ridiculously convoluted not really convoluted but it, it sounds just nuts trying to think about it um this calculation which essentially has the same uh bounded results as a d20 but is more weighted towards the center um which i thought was a very funny idea um of having a, a game that does that instead of just rolling this d20 which again any outcome is equally as likely um, it makes things a little bit harder to predict unlike perhaps trying to calculate average damage or things like that um, and that's a part of the game that I, I enjoy. We can try and make these numbers and push them to their extreme, but in the end, you know, they exist for yeah. perhaps a reason or can be tweaked with, right? Like Absolutely. it's it's your it's your game. If you want people to have nuts so high AC, go for it. Or if you're super brutal and all your players have very low AC because you make it extremely hard for them, that's okay as well. But I uh, I'd like a different game. I'd like to end by providing there is a little bit of a cheat code. Okay. Uh, What's the cheat if code? you stuck around this late so uh there's something called the optimist guide to D&D 5e survivability uh by armor class sure and they crunched numbers as a spreadsheet you can google it um but you don't have to because i'm just explaining to you right now uh so they basically went and looked at the average of all the different ways that you can armor yourself excluding of course you know cover and you know magic items and various other things which would you know add to this but as far as, you know, straight up rules is written, what you can do. So uh, I'm going to give you these some scores here, some numbers here in ascending order in terms of, of, and this is averaging across looking at everything from level one to level 20, how much they go up by, how much they change and sort of over that period of it. And what you have sort of, it, it, it's a good way to describe each space. So if you have no armor at all and, and, don't have a max and so without maximum dexterity bonus add on to it you have a score of uh, an average score overall of 12.8 uh no armor with max dex takes you to a 13.9 i know we decimal points aren't really normally used in ac but so this is sort of like an average your average ac over it so i'm sort of giving you the the this is like our ranking system of various armors so mage armor over the course of your your 20 levels right would average out to 15.8 which would be you know considerably better than most of these things in fact it's also better than light armor which only comes in at 14.6 but light armor with maximum dexterity is about the same as having mage armor 
I see. The whole time at 15.7. Um, we then do a, take a little bit of a jump. Uh, mage armor with maximum dexterity goes to 16.9, which is the same as carrying medium armor. So what do you mean 16.9? So if that's, that's going to be basically starting at level one, you'll have uh, AC of 15, right? But at level 20, no, you'd have AC at 18. Dexterity. What is this like assuming that every ASI you can get, you level up your AC? Uh, or you level up your dexterity? Is that. Yeah. Is that the assumption? We don't. I it's assumption assuming that here. you start with 16 and yeah. that you move into yeah. 20 yeah. by yeah. What, level 8, right? Yeah. So it does some jumps in there that, that sort of averages it out. Okay. Um, so unarmored defense uh is a 16.6 so not as good as mage armor overall but an armored defense with all your stats maxed out is this goes, for barbarian or for monk uh this would be for monk uh would go to an 18.1 um which is about the same uh for them if they also take the dodge action it gets a little bit better in some places but um so you might as well not dodge that much it's up to you to situational you might your flurry of blows. Go for it. Right. Um, unarmored defense plus shield, so we're talking barbarians here, mm. is 18.6. One of the best of them all, but only better when you have your stats maxed out, all right. your decks and your, your con. And you get the shield, right. Which, I, like I said, this was the build I sort of had done. And even by level 8, you're sitting at 20 AC, which is nobody else touches that. And you have 20.1 on average over the entire span of the, the game. That if you really want the best build without him doing anything funky or weird or crazy or adding lots of magic items in your barbarian with defense with dexterity and constitution maxed out holding a shield is your best straight up ac in the game um yeah without having to buy anything it's just nope. baked into the character yeah that's how you do it um medium armor plus shield beats monk um at 18.9 heavy armor is less than that though heavy armor is only a 17.6 uh, heavy armor plus shield though goes to 19.6 which is just slightly worse than Barbarians the barbarian with the out. shield uh so yeah there you go there's your your overall your overall rankings mm -hmm. unarmed unarmored defense for the barbarian with a shield and maxed out dex and con will be your best overall in the course of a 20 level character i build. would consider what does fighter with the defense fighting style take that to plus one right on top of the heavy so assume i'm going heavy armor uh -huh. i've got my shield i'm going the defensive fighting style which i get at first level yeah yeah that would add a plus one to my average right well here's an interesting thing so yeah so th this then breaks down of course by level and various things and space like that i'm just giving you sort of broad averages across okay. stuff which is very simplistic but yeah if you can somehow at level one be a fighter that has heavy armor as shield mm -hmm. and you take the defensive um style you could have ac20 mm -hmm. if some if the dm gives you plate and so at level one well no plate with a shield 21 21 yeah so i mean in theory you could have a very low level character level fighter one. character at level one way pretty good strength. sitting that way good outside though. the bounded accuracy generally are you're gonna see like yeah you know you're, you're well they're never gonna move from there though like there's no scaling there it's just what you got a bit like bark skin yeah. i mean you can still benefit from cover and well from... the only thing you're gonna go up from there likely is um if you add magical 
Oh yeah, uh, sure. shields and if or you keep upgrading your on you, you keep or, upgrading yeah. your armor to upgrade more magical armor, armor. Your shield. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that would all be your whole quest would be all the time is trying to get more enchantments. What I'd recommend your... for those watching, and this is of course random, and we're reaching the hour mark, but this is this is crazy, and I don't know I don't know why people don't talk about this more. Um, but the fighting style, uh, bait and switch is just ridiculous. It gives you a D eight to your AC. Yeah, potentially a plus eight to your AC, which is suddenly suddenly yeah, so, no, for one for one round you really bust for and a you, and you accuracy. can give it to someone else as well, and maybe you don't roll very high. We've seen this a couple times, campaign three spoilers, uh, Orum using bait and switch and rolling a one and two and being a little disappointed. Still, that's like giving someone a free shield of faith. But for one turn. given a D eight on average on. is going to give you a five, Come which on. is well, no, sure, whatever, four point five, but let's call it five. Sure. That is a big lift to AC. Totally, it's a huge lift to AC. Huge lift to AC. Even at the maximum now, we're, we're, especially for we? and for a melee yeah. fighter who's not taking cover or hiding somewhere, sure. who's right in the middle of things, plus five lift. There you it's go. It's the same as casting shield on yourself. <laughs> right. Well, that's a reaction when someone hits me. I can still do that as well. Yeah. Because I I picked up magic initiate whatever or I'm multi class one level into <laughs> and now I've cast shield as well or I don't know and now what what do I have 21 plus 8 assuming no magical items is you know 29 plus my shield takes me to 34 yeah like there are for a very brief moments that we can push our numbers our AC really crazy but that's mm -hmm. that's going to last for exactly 6 seconds sure uh, but that six seconds could be very much enough for you not to die. And the and shield lasts not clutch. just for the triggering attack, but yeah, for the whole until the, the rest of the round. Right. So, so, yeah, yeah, not the terrible that. thing. All right, folks, well, you get out there, put some, uh, put some padded armor on, and uh, you know, squish around and. Uh, like, All right, we'll hear you coming next week. <laughs> bye bye.